You're listening to Metal and High Heels, the official podcast from the magazine about metal, lifestyle, and entertainment. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Metal and High Heels podcast. I'm Kiki, and today it's all of us together again because I'm here with... Steffi, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And we are reunited again to have another band special. We haven't had this in a while. But, um, yeah, it's another band special, everybody. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> and today, tonight, today, we are talking about a German symphonic metal band, uh, Xandria. Yeah, Kiki, what do you have in mind? <laughs> If you think about that. Well, first of all, um, we always start these band specials by asking ourselves, when did you first listen to the band? So why don't you two start? Um, I remember that I read about Xandria in a German Gothic magazine called Orcos. And they introduced, I think it was an interview with the singer Lisa Mittelhaufer. Um, and I remember this because she told a very funny story. Um, she told that a guy who she knew from school messaged her after the album Ravenheart came out that the singer from Xandria looks like her. <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> yes, it's me. <laughs> so um, I think it was already in 2004, so it was shortly after Ravenheart came out, and on the uh, back then they always had sample CDs in the magazines, and Ravenheart was one of the songs on the on this sample disc. Oh yeah, remember the day of the days of compilation CDs in paper printed magazines? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seems like ages ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Steffi, what was your first encounter with Xandria? Um, YouTube, <laughs> like all the bands I um, listened quite early to. And I think it was the music video for Ravenheart. I think so. And that was, um, I remember it as a very, uh, yeah, classic fairy tale music video with your. With a white, white horse. Horses, <laughs> yeah. Horses, oh my god. <laughs> I'm a horse girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. And yeah, that the castle in the background and whatever. And that was a very catchy song. I remember it so. And yeah, fell in love with it and listened to more. There was um, also a, a ballad. don't know the name anymore. Very dreamy, sad stuff. Um, but, yeah. Yes, exactly. These both songs, I think, that were um, the beginning and yeah start listening to a little bit more uh i was never a very uh constant listener to xandria it was more just like um yeah (laughs) it was never a favorite band of mine it's more like yep few good songs that's it but yeah the beginning was uh ravenheart when did you first listen to them kiki Well, um, that's a funny story, (laughs) and it's a long story. (laughs) Um, 
So 10 years ago, I was uh, in Karlsruhe in the south of Germany, in university. And I was in a band myself. And there was a bit of trouble in the band. <laughs> and so for some reason, I started looking in the internet for bands um, kind of in the style of music that I liked and who were looking for a, like metal bands looking for a, a female singer. And suddenly this, <laughs> this uh, ad came up about Xandria looking for a new singer. And that's how I first heard of the band. Oh. Because I didn't know them before. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I mean, well, I moved to Germany in 2007. So that was already past that first Xandria in um, Viva and uh, in television and everywhere, like past that first Ravenheart boom. And so I didn't know the band, but I started listening to them at that point. And I also sent in my application. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and so I sent like the demo of my band, which we had just um, recorded. And uh, we were actually, it was um, a kind of professional demo. Like we really went into a studio and recorded three songs. And I sent those three songs to the to the guys, to Marco, Gerrit and Philip and... And Nils back then, yes. And and so I started like obsessively listening to this band. And um, I also bought the um, live DVD and uh, best of CD, uh, Now and Forever. And uh, I actually really like their music. And well, um, at some point I received an email from Marco saying that they actually liked my <laughs> songs. And they invited me to audition in, in Bielefeld. And so, damn, this is 10 years ago. This is so, it was such a great story. <laughs> um, yeah, so I um, came up one weekend and um, I, yeah, and then I went to audition for the band and I was obviously super nervous, but I powered through. And actually, we clicked quite well. Uh, we could talk a lot. Um, we had a lot of fun. They had asked for, I think, five songs that I uh, prepare. And it included a song that, hasn't, that wasn't released yet, but came to be later, Valentine, um, one of the... Now, best, now best known songs by Xandria and it didn't really have lyrics so I was supposed to prepare my own lyrics for the audition and that was the hardest part of the preparation but I did I think I did quite well I got a lot of good feedback um, they actually liked it, my performance at that point and everything and so after the the oh yeah, yeah. and They had asked me to prepare five songs. I prepared six. So we rehearsed those or we played those six songs twice, uh, taking a break in the middle. And after that, um, I went with Marco back to his house where we uh, like recorded demos of, of the song to for as part of the audition process. 
And then I went back to my um, hotel, I want to say. I think it was a youth hostel thing, but I had like my own room. It was pretty fancy. And uh, and by the way, I'm 22 at this point, right? <laughs> so it was scary. And after that... And you made it quite far. So yeah, I made it, it like really far. Um, after that... On the same day, I went to grab some drinks with um, Philip and Nils. And they actually gave me like a really good um, feeling. Like they were really excited to 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 have me there. Like uh, I was convinced it would work out. And after that, um, well, they also had other other singers like uh, waiting to for their audition. So it was like a wait and see kind of thing. And then I went back and I was so excited. And um, after that, uh, Lisa reached out to me. And Lisa, as we will know, talking about the, the, the band history, um, Lisa is the, the original singer. And she um, reached out to me through Facebook and told me um, she was rooting for me to get the part because she had she was married to married to the bass player Nils Middelhaufe and she had only heard great things and she wanted to wish me luck and he was like what the heck is going on <laughs> how is this happening and i remember then that i uh, started looking for um i was almost graduating university by then and i wanted to do a a, a an internship at um at a metal magazine and so that's how I started looking for um, for places in Dortmund. Well, I started to apply for for uh, internships in Dortmund because it was like close to Bielefeld, like close to the band. And then I found a Rock Hard magazine, and a, and that's how Pia and I met. So, like this application <laughs> for the singer position in Xandria was like like changed my life and um it started like a lot of things right because then um well i once visited this is only the 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 rest of the of the story that i wanted to tell that i came to look for um for apartments here in Dortmund to start my my internship after um at rock hard and to be able to visit all those apartments, I contacted Lisa and I um, asked her if I could come visit them. And um, because the cities aren't too far apart, on a weekend that I could see the apartments here and like stay at their place. And we did, or I did. And like a weekend at Lisa and, and Nils's place, that was like the most rock star thing that I could do back then. <laughs> it was really, it was really an amazing thing because they are so such really cool people and we had a great time and well at some point uh, they found Manuela Kala and uh, well the band found her and decided to go with her and that was obviously heartbreaking but it was also um, it had already this experience had already given me so much and Manuela is such a good singer that it was just it all made sense everything fell into place um, then I moved to Dortmund, and that's how I later um, met my husband. So <laughs> that's how my life went after. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, nobody knows what would have happened if you wouldn't have applied for this job. Exactly. <laughs> We wouldn't have met. Madeleine Heiches yeah. wouldn't exist. Can you imagine <gasps> a world without us? <laughs> Never. <laughs> And Kiki, it's our 10th anniversary next year. To know each other, yes. Mm. Wow. That's long. Correct no, this time. Year. No, next year. Next year. Yes, <laughs> next year. Next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's 10 years uh, this year that all that happened. That I... Um, that I suddenly learned about Xandria's existence and met them and everything went so fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, you already answered the second question, when did you first see them live? Well, you saw them in person when you <laughs> had this audition. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> technically. <laughs> yes, um, but let's start with the band history. We can do yeah. that, yeah for a little sure. bit mm. and for this I'm going to put in the show notes which you can find as you obviously know at metal-end-highheels.com slash podcast 72 um, I'm going to put this uh, link in the show notes that is the history of Xandria the official history which you can see in their um, on their website and it's actually quite um, interactive I'm just putting it now in the in the chat for you both as well mm -hmm. um, because it's like a timeline with everything that happened and it starts with Marco founding the band in 94 wow That's like I was one ago. year old <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's almost as old as I am. <laughs> I'm 27 now, so it's it's a fucking old band. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe not the oldest, but uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's true. I wonder how old yeah, uh, the guy were when they founded. I think maybe in their early 20s. No, I think but it took them I think like it's still in high school. Yeah. Or something yeah. like that. That's possible because it took them almost 10 years to record the first album. Yes, and that's because it actually started as Marco's um project. It was like a complete band as far as I know. Um well, uh, according to the official website, it says in 94 Marco founds a predecessor band of today's Xandria with a friend. In 95, he gives the band that very name already. But this predecessor band breaks up in 97 and Marco founds an, the band anew under the same name in 99 with new members. But it's in 2000, in the year 2000, that Garrett and Lisa join and start recording a demo. And two years later, Philip also joins the band and then they get signed. Probably with that first demo, they already got signed by uh, Drakkar Records. Mm -hmm. So their history is also um, also quite fast, or or they got a a, a good kickstart uh, to their to their career in in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yes. Just one year yeah. later, they um, already released their debut album, Kill the Sun. So Exactly. Some bands need much more time <laughs> to produce uh, <laughs> yeah. a long player. But I'm, I'm not quite sure about this first album, Kill the, Su Kill the Sun, because um, I think they self-released it as a, as a digital version. But that when we go back to the year 2000, in 2000 there was, not, there was no Spotify or something. Um, maybe this whole, the internet just started in 2000 for the public. Yeah. So um, it sounded a bit strange to me. So maybe Kiki, you can answer this question if that is true or if um, I am not if sure. the Sun is a is a real album because it has quite a lot of songs on it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not very sure, but I I do remember there being kind of a story there like that. Um, I think they already had the album done when the label came into play or something like that. Anyway, they then released <clears throat> Kill the Sun in 2003. And according to Wikipedia, it reached number 98 on the German music charts. Hmm. And then they went on to playing festivals and, um, and shows with Schandmaul and Subway to Sally. And um, yeah, it was very it went very very quickly after that because their next album is only a year later and they are both um the first one is 10 uh tracks or 10 songs long and uh, and ravenheart is 12. Mm. they probably put a lot of songs from the demo on at least the first album yeah but anyway um one year for the Ravenheart album, which was such a successful album, is very, very fast. Yes. Yes. And if we talk about the style, I think back then, uh, we've said this before, and we said this also in the context of, or we have a quote by uh, Liv Christine, who said, remember, Pia, um, yeah, that... Metal Female Voices Fest, where we talked to her, and at some point he, she says something like, back then, any any metal that had a female singer was gothic metal. Mm. Yeah. So I think this is the, the... It's kind of the same in this case, like, because the music is heavy and Alexandria uh, has a female singer, it was um, just like that, labeled as a gothic band, but... The music style is also pretty gothic in the, in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it fits. <laughs> yeah, it definitely fits. I don't think it's as heavy. It's kind of gothic rock almost, but it's actually quite good. I still like those songs. Um, do you have a favorite for this album? Have you listened to this album at all, ever? <laughs> no. Um, I really can't say anything about this first album, Kill the Sun. Um, I think they maybe they played the title track, or obviously they played some of the songs live. Maybe I heard one of them, but I don't really remember. I don't have a tune in my ear. How about you, Steffi? 
can't tell you anymore, to be honest. I I think I listened to it, but it's just so long time ago, and I just didn't repeat it for the podcast. Um, no. I think it was, yeah, okay. that uh, gothic rock style. That's what I remember. If I think about Xandria, I always think about that um, huge genre switch from that gothic rock stuff, folky also. And uh, yeah, not bombastic was more, yeah, yeah, rock, rock music. And mm. then suddenly it became that huge um, symphonic metal band. And well, yeah, Kill yes. the Sun was just that. Um, smaller i it's it's not right uh to call it small it was also good music i um when i was young i liked it <laughs> uh but can't tell you more about that yeah which song shall we listen to kiki which is your favorite song ginger ginger is my favorite song from kill the sun i think it will I give like you ginger. the yes <laughs> it will give you the the <laughs> the short version maybe of the of the whole um album it's like very dark because on the throughout the whole album there there's this very like dark atmosphere and with lisa's sweet vocals it's like it's amazing um i remember a little story that she told me about this song uh ginger um while she was writing the lyrics apparently um marco asked her to try a little bit more like sophisticated words and so she wrote ginger and when you listen to it it's like yeah these are words you wouldn't necessarily um use in everyday english <laughs> but um i think uh, for example the the the, the word ginger Uh, comes in a sentence that is like a ginger sunset, I think, like describing the color of the sunset as the sunset as ginger. So, um, yeah, it's funny. That's a fun fact behind that song. It's a beautiful song. I love it. I would love to see that song live. I never got to. <laughs> okay. So one year after that, they released Ravenheart, and that is as we already said, the album which was their breakthrough because, um, as I remember, suddenly every magazine um, reported about Xandria and um, they were quite in the media, in the metal media a lot with this one, especially with the title track, um, but also with the other track we already mentioned that was Ever Sleeping. And these were the two songs that I myself listened to a lot because um, I liked their music, but I didn't buy the album back then. And um, as I already said, there was no Spotify or Apple Music or something like that or YouTube. Well, there, maybe there was YouTube, but you didn't, um, you didn't stream a lot of video because the connection was not fast enough, therefore. So I didn't really have access to this album. Um, and after that, I somehow lost them because I didn't listen to India or um, the other album a lot. Yeah, but Ravenheart is 
it is a name. So <laughs> I think it's the most popular song of the band that they ever released because it's it's this connection, at least for me, is there. When I think about Xandria, I think about Ravenheart. I automatically have this tune in my head. Yeah. Yeah, same. Yes. And, And I think they, yeah, they um, also covered this song themselves <laughs> later with Diane van Riersbergen when she became the singer. Mm -hmm. They had this EP where they took some of their former songs and did a remake and Ravenheart was one of them. I think it's the only one. Did they remake another one? No, and forever. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Ravenheart and Never Sleeping were actually two of the three songs that I um, that I recorded for the audition as well. And the third song was Well, my back then version of Valentine. Um, yeah, Ever Sleeping, the music video. Do you remember that one by any chance? Not really. Well, I, th I know that I watched it, but I. when you tell me about it, maybe it'll appear again. Yeah, it's in a castle. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> it could be, it looks like the same castle as... Um, where all of the Exit Eden videos are made? Mm -hmm. Could be? I don't know. Anyway, it's in a castle. And it's like, um, there's this guy that might be a ghost. I don't remember <laughs> correctly either. Mm -hmm. But it's a, it's a nice, very well-made video. Oh, well, in a nutshell, do you remember With Intentations Memories? It's the same. <laughs> it's, it's just the same. completely the yeah, same. It's very, yeah, it's very, it's very alike. That's true. <laughs> I think if I uh, there's a fire though. Is is there a fire in in memories like in the fireplace? I don't know. But also like um, oh, what's the band name? Visions of um, Atlantis. They also released a video same like this one. I think there's just so fucking many bands who do such a video just a big old house and yeah all the memories in that house yep. yeah, yeah okay yeah. It's so so <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, what i um, when i think about this ravenheart album um it was also uh, they they put the focus a lot on their singer so when i compare that to for example nightwish They, of course, the focus was on Taya back then, but the other musicians, um, especially Thomas, also was in the focus. He also um, gave a lot of interviews, and the name Nightwish was also connected to him. Mm -hmm. But Sandria, back then and since then, always put the focus a lot on the singer or more than many other bands uh, that's at least my impression yeah it was also always very known i think that marco was like the mastermind behind the band mm. or the main composer or xandia also put the lisa on the cover of the album and nightwish never did this uh, the nemo singer was the first cd ever when they put a band picture on the cover oh yeah 
That is true. Um, Lisa is on two album covers, and after that, Diana is in the last album cover, but also she's not showing her face, so. Yeah. Wow, so many things we're discovering. Um, on the <laughs> Ever Sleeping video, uh, Lisa also plays the piano, which she does. I think she was first a pianist and then she was a singer, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, so from this album, I like the most. I like The Lioness and I like Snow White. Uh, of course, Ravenheart is a great hit. And Ever Sleeping is a beautiful song. But these other not so... These other songs that are not so popular, I think, are also very are also some of my favorites because um, the lioness has like these sexy vocals <laughs> and and that's something that they had done in Kill the Sun as well. Like Ginger, for example, it's also like this dark music, but then the vocals are not only sweet, but like also seductive. It's like really cool. And Snow White um, is a song where Lisa growls, at least in the live version. There there are uh, videos on the internet um, and there were, or, or this, this performance that's on the internet is also a performance, I think it was Rock Hearts, I don't remember when, but that's the, the performance for the live video part, live DVD part of the Now and Forever compilation, the best of. And... On that performance, Lisa growls some parts in Snow White, and that is amazing. Back then, <laughs> there was oh, yeah, no other it. female vocalist doing both at the same time. So, Yeah, right. I Which remember exactly that video that was also very inspiring for me. Well, yeah, it was just, yeah, my early years of metal, and <laughs> yeah, I prefer that slower, calmer, easier stuff. <clears throat> and yeah then I saw that video and I yeah I expected I don't know maybe something like yeah ever sleeping more ballad catchy stuff oh wait it, it's also catchy and suddenly she starts growing was what <laughs> what's happening yeah. is it possible <laughs> and um, I think that was um, yeah not, not a milestone that's too much but um Yeah, impressive. I think it was the first time I uh, saw that. <gasps> It's possible that woman can also grow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Mind blowing. Yes. That was also the year uh, where Nils Middelhove joined the band. And I think soon after, uh, Lisa and Nils got married. And that's how Lisa became Lisa Middelhove. <laughs> yep. Yes. Um, it's also, speaking about impressive things, it's also impressive that the next album, India, was released one year after Ravenheart. It was 2005. Exactly. Wow. So we have three albums that are releasing, like they are releasing an album every year for the first three. Yeah, with, with 10 to 12 songs. So it's not that they put an album out with eight songs or something. <laughs> 
it are there that albums are real albums with 12 exactly songs. not a piece with live footage or something you know <laughs> what i'm talking about <laughs> yep <laughs> it's the real thing this is the real thing <laughs> Yes, people, it was the early thousands. This was the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but somehow Xandria also lost me again with this album. And I can't really say why, but I think it also had to do with the title of the album. Because I thought, why would a band from Germany name their album India? So where's the connection? Why do they do this? Do they take something from the Indian culture, which they shouldn't do if they don't have Indian roots or something? So for me, it was really strange that they did this. And maybe that was the reason why, as I already said, um, I had to be very picky with the things that I listened to because I really had to buy the albums I wanted to listen mm -hmm. to. And so I never took this album, so I never bought this album And I never really listened to it from the start to the end. So I only know some of the songs. Yes. And this is the time where um, they start using the, I think, folky elements that Steffi was referring to. And it is actually, I think, the name of the, of the album. Um, the title track is about going to India and um, there are these oriental sounds and influences so this is like the start of their style evolution that at some point took a took a big turn but I actually like this album as well <clears throat> um, India and the end of every story were also <laughs> were also part of my audition back then, so I know those quite well. Now and forever uh, is well uh, one of their more uh, or better known songs too. Um, like a rose on the grave of love is a beautiful ballad, very dark. But I think in love with the darkness is one that I that I would very much recommend for this album. Okay, so you you say I should listen to this one and not thinking about cultural appropriation. Yes. Is this the correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I know your music taste and I know you're probably not going to... Too faulty for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steffi, did you listen to the album? Uh, yeah, same, like the further one don't know anymore but well i think yes um the titles like yeah and love with the darkness now and forever i remember these ones definitely i think i listened to it maybe not to the whole album because yeah i never buy an album uh brought an album of this band i have to say um maybe i just listened to the songs which uh are on youtube <laughs> at that time so yeah some songs I remember but yeah not the whole one hmm. um, India was a bit more successful uh, than Ravenheart they made it to 
um, to the 30th place of the charts. Mm -hmm. uh, and Ravenheart was 36, but Ravenheart was uh, was in the charts for seven weeks and India only for three weeks. So, yeah, Ravenheart was a Dauerbrenner in German. <laughs> Maybe the word is familiar <laughs> um, in other languages too. Um, yeah, it was there for a longer time. What do I want to say with this? I don't really know, but uh, yeah, it's again impressive that they made this in such a short time so that India was also a very successful album and not just, oh, well, we took some songs that we didn't want to put on Ravenheart, so this is the B-side of the Ravenheart album, but we sell it as a new album. No, no. So that was not the case. Not at all. It was also very different in style. So, um, yeah, impressive that they that they were so successful in such short time. We can talk about Salome, the Seventh Veil. Mm -hmm. um, that came out 2007, so they took two years for, this, for recording this album. And that was also the first time that I saw them live on stage. That was at the Summer Breeze Festival 2007. Nice. Yeah. Lisa had black hair back then. Mm -hmm. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, no longer the, the, the red hair from Ravenheart. Mm. She had black hair, the black hair of the Salome era. Yes. Yeah, but again, I didn't really pay much attention to this album and I think that was the point when they became less successful mm -hmm. with their music. That was exactly what I was going to say. Um, I think Ravenheart was had a bit of a mainstream appeal maybe and mm -hmm. India like kept that but put some more like the oriental influences in there and was like even bigger and then salome was like ah okay yeah i look at the at the at the song list at the track list and i know save my life is my favorite from that from that album firestorm as well i also both of those were also part of my uh, audition salome the 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 title track is nice but the other ones are eh. <laughs> <laughs> what can i say yeah so was it did they did they change their style again or was it the the logical successor of india i don't know i think this one even though it's again 12 songs And even though it was two years after India, I think maybe this is the, the album where they put all the songs that they didn't have any space for anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. In between that time, uh, they were touring a lot as well, I think, and, um, and doing lots of festivals. So maybe it was a time issue. Maybe the label had expected them to keep the pace and put pressure on them and they just put out a collection of songs that weren't completely done yet. I don't really know, but this is also like my least favorite album in their whole discography. 
Um, Wikipedia also said that the tour was not really successful. Um, there were not so many people coming to the concerts. Mm -hmm. And um, they also worked less with orchestra. So they went away from the symphonic metal that they started doing with Ravenheart and also on India. Yeah, more so in India. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's also the the album or after they did this tour Lisa said that she leaves the, leaves the band right? Yes so that was the year after that was in 2008 and before that they released the best of album Now and Forever with this uh, live DVD footage, footage I was talking about um It's the this festival performance. I think it was uh, Summer Breeze. Um, did I say Rock Hearts before? I meant Summer Breeze. Anyway, um, I think it was that. So maybe you're on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I should watch it. Maybe I can find <laughs> find the, myself <laughs> the audience. Yeah, that would be super um, funny. Yes, but um, oh, and and it's this. This the live DVD consists of this performance and a series of interviews. So everything about mm. how the band started, all of their success and everything, um, funny anecdotes, and then on the same DVD they announce that Lisa is going, or Lisa says goodbye. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So it's pretty emotional. But yeah, and it's um, it's really brave to do this. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's out there forever. <laughs> Now and forever, yes. <laughs> Now and forever, yeah. <laughs> um, but that was not... Uh, they didn't start looking for a new singer because then Kerstin Bischoff joined the band. Mm -hmm. And I think um, she is friends with Lisa Mittelhofer or she was friends yes. with her because I saw a lot of pictures with them together. Mm -hmm. And before that, she was singing in the band Laconia, I think. No, that was that's her band or that's her artist name. Ah, okay. Ah, she had collaborated with Axis. And it is it was with Kerstin um, with whom they went to Latin America. They toured Latin America with her. And it was with her that they had started to work on Valentine on this new song for the next album and uh, she was involved in it and they performed that song in in their tour, in their Latin American tour. And then Kerstin, after one year, also decided to leave the band. Hmm. They didn't record anything with no. her, right? She was only touring with the band. Yeah. Do you and know? Lisa also huh? returned for some concerts. Where was that, Steffi? Do you know any reasons why she left so early? Wikipedia Sarah, says any statement to, to concentrate on a different career. Okay. <laughs> yeah, personal I think reasons. She released a solo album not too long after that, and mm. I think that was also kind of pretty gothic. And one of the reasons why Lisa left in the first place was because the band wanted to go into symphonic metal. They wanted to go full-on symphonic metal, 
and leave their gothic past behind. And mm. that's why... Um, so I can imagine that that was also one of the reasons why uh, Kerstin left as well. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, maybe she wanted to record her own songs. So um, Alexandria Marco is the mastermind and maybe there was not enough space for her to... Um, to also bring in her use creativity. her talent as a songwriter, yeah, to bring herself in. Yeah, that's also possible. We really don't know. Yes, and then um, and then Lisa returned for some concerts only, so that they could play their tour. Yes, it was a European and tour, and well, it was like five dates tops. It wasn't very many concerts, or 10, I'm not sure. Um, but there's mm. also footage of a blonde Lisa this time, um, <laughs> playing with a band in Greece, for example. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, and that was... And by then, I had already met them all. By then, I <laughs> had already auditioned. <laughs> because that was yeah. in the summer of 2010. I remember you showed me a picture of you and a blonde Lisa. Yes. Um, yeah. there's a few <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and and in these in these um, in these videos from that tour in 2010 you can see how how strong Lisa is on stage and that stage that like superwoman stage presence that she has I will never forget the night that she picked me up at the at the train station when I went to to the to their place to spend the weekend with them, I was like just waiting there. I had never met her in person yet, and I remember it was raining. It was dark already because I had arrived such so late, and and I saw her her shadow uh, come out of her car, and I. I only saw this shadow, you know, but I immediately recognized her because she was like this amazing presence, like irradiating rock stardom. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> when I grew up, I want to be like her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Nice. So if you tell that story it's a little bit sad that she um left that yeah the music business yes yeah after that uh, she was uh, supposedly working on a solo album as well which never came out uh, sadly sadly very sadly but she went on to found example the community of uh, female singers around the the metal female voices community who was um who well and and she started that um that community in order to support each other and connect each other and um so many amazing amazing and talented singers and musicians came together in that um in that community like Lindsay Schoolcraft and Cassandra Novell and um, Clementine Delaunay. So, yeah. and they also went on stage. So, Lisa 
didn't quit her whole career. She also played with Serenity. Yes. I think. Um, and yeah, she also went on stage with the Eve's Apple community at the Metal Female Voices Fest. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, she she did a whole tour with Serenity as as their guest vocalist. And after that, it was less and less, though. And now she is um, a happy mother of two. Yeah. She and Nils got divorced um, ages ago as well. I don't remember when, but sometime... In the 2013. 2013? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, they said, they um, announced that they got divorced or they, they split. I don't know, maybe um, they separated earlier, but that was when it became public. Yeah, and but she uh, got remarried and is now, as I said... Um, living happily in a completely different life. <laughs> But, I mean, it's all that matters that she's happy. And, yes. Yeah. Now, we already had the story how Manuela Kralla became singer. Um, and they released one album with her that was Never World's End. Um, back then, I also um, I noticed that she's the new singer. And when they announced her, um, she had a picture where she looked very EBM-like, so with this uh, cable, cables and hair and everything. Oh, yeah, the cyberpunk um, style. Yeah, completely yeah. different style from what I expected. So I was like, wow, okay, she's the new Xanvia singer. It doesn't really fit with the style. But then when she went on stage with Xandria, she changed her style. Yeah. so that it fit the band. And um, I thought that she left the band really quickly, but she was singer from 2010 to 2013. So I thought she was only there for one year, but it were three or a bit more than three years. Yeah, for one yeah. album and the shows. Two years and a little more, because it's from December 2010 to February 2013. And... Yeah, they um, made a short live debut at a classic mid-pop event in Bielefeld, where the band is from. And um, I think I only saw a very short video of that performance. But if I remember correctly, she's wearing a beautiful red dress. And it's like everything super elegant because they perform with a, with a classical orchestra And it's all like really cool. <clears throat> yes, I think the whole album Manuela... is very symphonic again. Hmm? I think the whole album is very symphonic again. Yeah, exactly. Neverworld's End is the start in Xandria's start in symphonic metal, and Manuela had also um, become known because of her uh, collaborations or her performances with Haggard. So that's how they knew that she, or about her, or how she applied for the band with this, with this portfolio, you know, with this resume. Um, so that was a, a actually a pretty cool choice 
to have Manuela as as the new singer. And Never World's End is a really cool album. Have you listened to it? I think her voice is... I think Manuela's voice is more... Is a bit higher and more light than Lisa's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where uh, Diana is again higher and lighter, and then Eva tops this again. So <laughs> there's also a direction they went from this a bit lower um, range, mm-hmm. full voice to this higher pitched. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I listened to this a bit more also because I was interested um, how the new singer sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think Soul Crusher is the song that I liked most. Ooh. <laughs> Steffi, do you have a favorite for, for this album? Uh, I remember that um, to that album, I listen completely and a lot, but ooh, favorite. If I read uh, <laughs> Call of the Wind, I remember that one as a very folky stuff. I like folky stuff, so <laughs> um, yeah. No, can't tell you any favorite song, but um, yeah, that was just that yeah, yeah, game changer. <laughs> yeah, and totally. it was, I also remember that um, they were suddenly um, compared to Nightwish. And everybody said, I think that was a time when um, with Annette, maybe it was, ah, what's the album called? Uh, Dark Passion Play. Yes. Was it maybe around about the same time? I think lots of Nightwish fans or former Nightwish fans uh, went to Xandria because of Manuela's operatic voice. Or vocal style. It was the, it was the same time. Yeah. Suddenly um, they felt like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's a new cool stuff. And um, <laughs> yeah, left the fan base of Nightwish to go to Xandria because, yeah, that was the same bombastic symphonic metal stuff. Yep. Very. I left and went. I went to Leaf's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was also uh, lots like um, that soundtrack wipe. Lots of orchestra mm. and that uh, I think the Nomad's Crown if I just read the name I remember very uh, yeah lots of instrumental parts and yeah with an orchestra, choirs yeah to create that great soundscape yes what's your impression of the whole album Steffi uh, uh, <laughs> it's just uh, a completely typical symphonic metal album if anybody asks me okay what classical symphonic metal is like I maybe would recommend this one um, yeah well, I, I have no opinion at all. It's it's not a bad one, but yeah, my personal taste um, is quite different now. It's a little bit too sweet. <laughs> yeah. And it's also the first album that they released with Napalm Records. 
Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think they maybe just changed everything and want to do, maybe want to start or to push their career, maybe. I can imagine that because, yeah, at the time it was just like uh, that kind of music or that kind of metal was quite popular. And maybe it was just like, okay, let's do this and let's change the label and let's uh, do a straight career. Maybe, don't know. Maybe it was also just, um, yeah, the voice so, of the artist who decided to do that stuff and there was no thoughts like career behind it. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, we had the chance to interview Manuela Kralla when she still was the singer in Xandria. Um, you can find this interview on YouTube and you can also find a lot of other cool stuff we did throughout the years on our YouTube channel. So check that out. <laughs> that specific interview is not on our YouTube channel, though. No, it's at the Metal Forward channel, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's a German interview. But you will recognize Kiki <laughs> when you look at Yeah, I will, I will try to find it. Um, And, and it doesn't have subtitles, but if you want to, <laughs> if you want to <laughs> see our interview in German, um, there, there it is. Yes, Metal 4. Um, Pia, you and I were writing for Metal 4 back then. Metal4.de was this German metal online magazine. And I actually reviewed this album for that magazine. Oh. And the magazine is sadly offline nowadays. But I have... Um, I just... Uh, checked out if I have the, the the yeah the document on my computer, and apparently I did um, compare Manuela's voice to Talia's, and I actually wrote that the whole album uh, does remind me of albums like Oceanborn and Angels Fall First. But Oceanborn and Angels Fall First are so different. Well, tell that to Kiki. Of 2010. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> 2012, yeah. Yeah, but I know what you mean. Hmm. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, on this album, there is this beautiful ballad called A Thousand Letters that has that is not only beautiful as it is, it also has a beautiful backstory. And... Uh, Manuela wrote the letter, the, the letters, <laughs> Manuela wrote the lyrics about this story of her grand, her grandfather being in the war and writing a thousand letters to his um, girlfriend, fiancé, wife, I don't know exactly, to his, well, partner, love interest, a thousand letters from the war. It's like, doesn't it blow your mind? Oh. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's a beautiful story. But my favorite song from this album is Forevermore. And of course, the most, uh, the most famous song from Never World's End is Valentine. And what do you think about the lyrics of Valentine? Are your lyrics better? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that I couldn't understand where this was going. Like, I couldn't really understand from the lyrics, from the unfinished lyrics that I 
that they gave me and and from what Kirsten was singing in the in the only footage available of this song uh, of their Latin American tour I just didn't understand where this was going so I had to like really figure out a story of my own to like finish up those lyrics and sing it um so no they're definitely not better than <laughs> than the ones that were uh, that were published um but it was funny that valentine then of course became one of the their eternal repertoire as well they uh, were playing valentine up until their last performances a few years ago <laughs> years almost a few years ago yeah and that's the story behind never world's end shortly after they finished touring for the song for the for the album manuela also announced that she left the band in 2013 and that was a blast because they announced jana van giersbergen and i remember that my first thought was well she just already started singing in the band so manuela just became singer of the band now she's already gone mm -hmm. and then diana came in and it was It was a, a mini blast like when Floor joined Nightwish, but Nightwish is more popular, Floor is more popular, but on a lower level, it's the same. So yeah. Jana had a big name, Xandria has a big name, and they came together, mm -hmm. and it was, whoa! <laughs> yes. That can be really cool. And it was really cool. But before we go on to that, um, so when Lisa left Xandria... Um, It was like, oh, what a bummer, of course. Hmm. But it wasn't like a super public bad breakup. You know, they were like very civilized. They just went to each their own, whatever, right? When Kerstin helped out and left the band, it was like, eh, okay, she wasn't really there, so whatever. But Manuela had been there for a whole album, And so that was a little bit of a drama. And of course, it was just like these, we have to have in mind all of this context for when we talk later on about Diana departing, because that was, of course, the big drama. But mm -hmm. there was like all of these other things that had already happened. And um, when Manuela left the band, Lisa made a public statement about it. And it was like also for those fans who were kind of criticizing the band for because another singer left and whatever, like appeasing them and defending the band as well, but also defending um, Manuela, like being able to, because Lisa was the only one who understands, you know, she had already lived through that more or less. So that was um, really nice of her as well to come out and talk to the fans about this. Um, yeah, and then... I think she still had a very strong connection to Xandria, not only through her husband, but also, I don't know, she, whenever she was somewhere, there was still this Xandria connection. Like, Taya will always have a Nightwish connection. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Never World's End was also the last uh, album Niels was in there. So Lisa's husband also left the band after that. Mm-hmm. But then... Then they released Sacrificium, and I want to talk about Sacrificium and Fire and Ashes together, because 
Fire and Ashes was an EP that came out shortly after, uh, I think one year after or in the same year. No, it was one year after Sacrificium was released and it was this, um, we have a, another strong song, it, we want to do more than just a single, let's put some other cool songs on the album, let's do some remakes <laughs> of our own songs. And so for me, Sacrificium and Fire and Ashes it goes together yeah. so they it could be one album it's one album with two cds in it so to speak yeah even the cover art is really almost yeah. the same <laughs> <laughs> and both so sacrificium and fire and ashes it is really impressive because this is the symphonic drive that everybody expected mm -hmm. um and after the the album before it was quite clear where Xandria want to go and they already uh, they also went there so sometimes you have expectations and the band just doesn't do this but Xandria exactly did this and they released a really really strong symphonic metal album with Sacrificium yes and it was something that it was already in the works with Never World's End and everything um I want to make a quick Uh, note also, I am checking out again the official timeline on the Xandria website. And uh, Nils Middelhauve left the band in 2012, so before Manuela. And through the uh, promotion of Neverworld's End, the band um, went on tour with Epica. So there are, uh, if you're a fan of Epica like me, and a fan of Cassandra, like me, <laughs> you will love a performance of, I think it's Sancta Terra, where Epica invite Manuela on stage to sing with them. So that's really cool. In 2013, then uh, Steven Wusso um, joined the band as a bass player to replace uh, Nils. And then we started with uh, Sacrificium. Yeah, we go back to Sacrificium. Um, Nightfall, going back to uh, music videos as well. Um, Valentine is the only big single of Never World's End, and it's also in a castle. And uh, Nightfall, the first single of uh, Sacrificium, is also in a castle, but this one is in, is in ruins. <laughs> <laughs> Do you interpret anything? <laughs> They also have a song on Sacrificium that's called Our Never World, so there is another connection to the former album. <laughs> mm -hmm. There is also in Sacrificium this song that's called uh, Dreamkeeper. And if you interpret the lyrics, and I think also there, that is the official backstory. Um, don't quote me on this, though, because I might just be interpreting too much into that. Um, when Manuela decided to leave, the band was kind of really in a bad place and they didn't know if they wanted to continue until they found Diane and it was like, okay, we can continue. So Diane was their dream keeper to keep <laughs> their dream alive, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it nice? <laughs> It's beautiful. It's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, throughout this episode, we always have these 
connection somehow to Nightwish. Um, and I already said it is a, a bit like when Floor joined Nightwish, and I also spoke about expectations. Um, Nightwish didn't reach my expectations when they started working with Floor, mm -hmm. but Xamria and Diana, they it was more than I expected. It was just a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, the best Xamria song that was ever released is Voyage of the Fallen. Ooh, and that nice. is, yes. yeah, that is a blast. It is, wow. <laughs> it is perfect. It's the best output the band could have ever done, I think. And that that's the peak of the collaboration of Xandria with Tiana. No, 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 no. Yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, we will discuss that later. So people, I have to leave now. <laughs> bye bye, have fun. I'm really excited with what you have to say about Sacrificium Steffi and also about the other albums. Okay. Not so much, but yep. we'll keep on talking. <laughs> I personally just don't like Diane's voice so much. Yeah. Just. Um, Yeah, <laughs> I preferred um, that uh, the world's end without reason. <laughs> And yeah, what about you? So unlike Pia, I do want to. Um, I do have different favorites between Sacrificium and Fire and Ashes. So my favorite in Sacrificium is the Undiscovered Land. Um, and I do like several songs on this album, so it is quite good, although I must say that it's more like the first half that I like. The second half doesn't really ring a bell, but The Undiscovered Land, it's a very beautiful, very sad ballad. I love it. And uh, Voyage of the Fallen, I agree. That is a very great song that they did. Um, so that would be my favorite from Fire and Ashes. Um, he also asked us to say that I'd Do Anything for Love is an amazing cover. Mm. And Don't Say a Word is an amazing song. That's also <laughs> and a cover. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, Sonata Arta, Sonata Arctica. That's the name. Yeah, that's um, the original songwriter. Yeah, I think that, yeah, EP, I think you can call it an EP. Um, to that one, I listen more. I can't remember the reasons why I did that years ago. But um, that one, somehow, um, I liked even more than the, yeah, Original album is maybe not the right description, but the long player. Um, yeah, also because of the the cover songs. Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you have anything to say about the differences between Diana's Ravenheart and the original? I can't remember that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, too bad prepared today, I have to say. Um, I think I uh, also liked that one, but yeah, music taste changes. <laughs> also, if I would listen to Ravenheart now, to the original one, 
I think I won't like it so much as I did 10 years ago, maybe not 10 years, <laughs> but yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> All right. So I actually like the original better. <laughs> that might be because, um, because of nostalgia. I don't know. But um, yeah, this is a, a tough question, I know. So this is in 2014 and 15 when the band also got like really big, really successful and very uh. deservedly so. They really deserved it with this output um, that Sacrificium was indeed a, a very good album. And so they toured the whole of Europe and also the US and Canada. And I think they also went back to Latin America at some point. Yes. Probably. Fire and Ashes over Latin America was the name of the tour in 2016, which was on, in support of Cradle of Filth. No. Cradle of Filth in Russia. They toured together. And then Xandria went to South America for a headline tour. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. So big player they, now. <laughs> yes. They were in the big leagues now. And they were also... Um, very busy because then in early 2017 they released Theater of Dimensions. Did you have to? <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I already started laughing. Uh, no. I knew that um, when they released it and I yeah, followed them on, on Facebook and yeah, saw that they're doing stuff, but well, I just didn't care anymore about it. Don't know. Would you uh, describe Xandia as one of your favorite bands? Yes. Oh, okay. New infos. <laughs> <laughs> New info. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I think. It's also with a bit of a bias because since I got to know um, Marco and Gerrit and Nils and later oh, Steven yeah. and Philip, um, well, uh, later Steven, Philip from the beginning, um, just knowing that they are very cool people, I think that also influenced <laughs> me. Uh -huh. But um, I do like their music very much and especially Theater of Dimensions is in my opinion their best album ever. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. I was really really impressed and uh, excited for this album and it was like the best of Diana with the best of of Xandria and it was just amazing and I was so sad to know that only eight months after the release of Theater of, Theater of Dimensions, they split up with uh, Diane or Diane left them. Um, uh. And that nothing more would come of that. That actually made me really sad. Yeah, um, I can imagine. But let's talk, about up. The, let's talk about the album first and the split yeah. after. Um because there are 13 songs on this album and 
one is better than the other. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Where the Heart is Home is, it's almost seven minutes long and it's very bombastic. It's a great start for the, for the uh, album, Death to the Holy, with this crit critique of um, religion and what religion has done in human history is really is really powerful call of destiny is like um it's this um this story about when you you know when when something is your destiny and 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 how you you know follow it the the theme reminds me of um i think it's the cur the curse in stream of passion Stream of Passion has a song that's kind of lyrically alike in okay. their last album, A War of Our Own. And yeah, it's The Curse. Um, so there's a comparison there which everybody at home can now, can now think about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite song on this album is Dark Knight of the Soul but Ship of Doom Ship of Doom would, would be such a great song at a festival or, or, or in live you know in, in, in concerts like everybody singing along I was so excited to see that and it never happened that was a song that they never yeah. played live um, and then the, 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 the last third of the album or the second half no the last third after or the second half yeah maybe the second half no the last third because the acoustic versions don't count but the acoustic versions are amazing and they remind me a lot of the acoustic versions that epica releases you know being the same producer having the same producer epica and xandria there is an influence that that makes them very very alike and that also happened in sacrificium um there is like the like how the 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 song some songs finish in a big bombastic orchestral high note is is very like epica and oh yeah but i was talking about this last third of of the album after the instrumental Sayli. um It's so theatrical. It gets so theatrical. Or maybe even just the, the last two songs, A Queen of Hearts Reborn and a, and a Theater of Dimensions. A Theater of Dimensions is 14 minutes long. But it takes you it takes you through all of those 14 minutes because that's a story. That's a teeny tiny opera in 14 minutes. Okay. It's amazing. And there's the voice of Henning Bass, I think in there so it's it's a really great song so it's okay. an amazing album and well maybe I shall listen to it <laughs> yeah people But listen listen never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's that's what uh, that's the bone I had to pick with Pia um, so so sad that she had to go but um, yeah maybe we will get to discuss this for some For, for another uh, Facebook Live or something, maybe. Uh, so in my opinion, uh, but I mean, if she hasn't really heard Theater of Dimensions and you haven't either, then you cannot discuss with me. So that will be your homework. Because Theater of Dimensions <laughs> is 
was a milestone in Xandria's career and it's the best album they have put out and yeah and nobody will convince me of the country <laughs> oh okay yeah yeah we'll listen to it i promise you yeah. yeah but that is as we were already saying that is sadly also the 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 yeah the end of the band um this uh, this album theater of dimensions um had the highest chart entry for the band and it peaked at uh, at 17th place in the German charts. So it was also their biggest success. And yeah, and with that in support for that album or in promotion, promoting that album, um, the band went on a European tour And then their first headlining tour in North America with Cobra and the Lotus and Once Human in May of 2000, 2017. And after that, they had to cancel the second half of the US tour and the Russian tour. And that's also where Eva Morel from Avarium um, stepped in for a few of the shows for a few of the European shows that they could like salvage from the tour cancellations. And it was because of Diana's health, which she made public on her Facebook post about her resignation from the band. She said, she actually said that she was um, getting sick and And she left the band because of the pressure to perform. Mm. Um, from her bandmates and from the ba and from the management. And um, that was a very mean Facebook post. It was. I remember I was in such shock. And after reading only her statement. I could understand all of the fans that started a big shitstorm towards the rest of the band. But I also couldn't imagine, like, you know, these guys that I have met uh, being so evil. So... Yeah. I read um, that, I think... Oh, not I think, I, I just read few minutes ago that also Manuela and Lisa she also put um, some statements out mm -hmm. wrote some statements and um, yeah they somehow um, said it, it's true what what Diane said there is lots of pressure uh, mm -hmm. for yeah the front woman of a band I mean she's not only singer she's front woman and if you're on tour I can pretty good imagine that everybody wants to take a picture with you want to get um yeah signed the cd by you and uh yeah you're just the front woman the the photo model everything mm -hmm. and there got lots of success during that yeah it, at the end it was a worldwide tour 
in in some parts, mm-hmm. um, Asia, Russia, South America, Canada, and I don't uh, know the band that well. I don't know Diane personally. It's just uh, I can just uh, guess, but. I can imagine. I can imagine that there's, um, yeah, also label management. There, are lots behind the band. Not only the guys, the people, the musicians, but also, yeah, that um, the management behind it. And so you have to to work. <laughs> and yeah, if it's too hard, and if her health was not that yeah well stable not not that good <laughs> I, I don't that, know i think that it's also a weird like maybe standard thing because there is something key that you just said at the end of the day it's also a job right yeah definitely exactly their jobs but of course it's a lot more um it weighs a lot more on on the health of a musician than a i don't know person that works at a 9 to 5 office job right it's a mm. different pressure yeah all that and it's touring also, stuff but it's also, yeah but it's also a different pressure between the other musicians and the singer As you said also, yeah, she was the face of the band and, and she had a lot of other responsibilities. But, um, you know, Garrett, the drummer of Xandria, had pretty bad back problems. Remember, Steffi, you and I saw them in the Matrix in Bochum. Um, yes, I, think I remember it was about that. And it was so much fun, remember? <laughs> it was a really cool concert. Um, we wrote about it for the magazine, and I will make sure to link that. And uh, just as a reminder, metal-n-high-heels-podcast72. There you will find everything that we have mentioned during the show. Anyway, we were sitting um, with Garrett and talking and um, after the concert, And he told me that he had pretty bad back problems. And that was kind of, that w- went kind of public when he had to uh, step down from some dates. And they had another drummer fill in for a part of the tour. I think it was even yeah. the North American tour. Or when Steven, when the bass player had uh, other personal issues to attend to, there was another bass player that filled in. You know, but can another singer fill in for Diana just like that? Or will the audience be disappointed? Or you know, what is the what is the repercussion when when, when the singer, the face of the band is the one that 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 is um, that is sick and has still has to perform? You know, that's something that that not only the band has to think about. It's maybe something that we all, as an audience and as a metal community, should also think about. Are we fans the ones putting too much pressure on the singers to be there to perform for us, for every one of us equally? 
are we the ones who won't accept a replacement singer if she's if she's ill and has to take some time off you know maybe we should all consider that yeah sure yeah definitely But, yeah Yeah. At the end of the day, we are all replaceable in some in some way or other. You know, when Eva Morel replaced mm. Diana, then um, they still had great performances, and the yeah, audience exactly. was and cool. She's a great singer, yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, if the quality of the music is still, um, yeah, quite high, the same, same but different. <laughs> um, same but different. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, nobody should. Um, don't know get angry and say hey i want my money back that's not what i what i brought <laughs> that concert i yeah. can imagine that there are definitely some fans who would do that i imagine uh not to mention i remember that um story of nightwish once again um when annette felt ill i think i think it was north america tour or something and mm -hmm. Alyssa and elise i think Mm -hmm. um, they performed spontaneously <laughs> on yeah. on the tour, and uh, that was, yeah, maybe not to compare both stories. Um, but there were also some fans, I think, who, uh, well, that's not what I want to see, and give him my money back. Well, other guys maybe uh, said that that was great and was an um, interesting, <laughs> interesting experience. Um, yeah, it's hard. I think, but it's, I think, always the same problem if you have just one face of the band. And if, yeah, that pretty front woman is just, um, um, yeah, you can see her every, everywhere on, on covers, also, uh, yeah, on, on the magazine covers, music magazines. And yeah, the interviews, the bigger interviews, um, they shall do. Whew. maybe also one solution is to put more the whole band also into focus so not only one person um shall shall be in front but just mm -hmm. yeah the whole band all the guys at the same level but maybe it's yeah. hard that's if something I think to about think all about. that yeah but if i that's maybe also one big problem of all that female fronted metal stuff i mean why is it called female fronted metal because you see uh that woman that face mm -hmm. and yeah mostly very pretty faces of course and everybody wants to see them and uh to perform them and the male musicians are mostly always i think in the background And of course, there's the most pressure is then on, yeah, on the woman in front of them all, who need to, yeah, to nail it <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, well, that is something to think about. Um, but as I was saying, this was like the big, as I was saying before, this was like the big big drama it was a big shitstorm as you already said Steffi uh, both Manuela and Lisa released statements sympathizing with Diane and also with the band trying to trying to appease the fans 
Um, I remember Lisa put it, Lisa, Lisa compared it to your parents getting divorced. And you <gasps> oh, cannot vilify just one of them, you know, like you can still like the music, even though the singer, one of the singers left, you know, I don't know. I don't remember exactly, but it was um, really nice of her to do that once again. Um, uh-huh. And I remember, oh yeah, and, and the band, of course, also released a statement after. I remember when I read Diana's um, statement, I was so curious to know their side of the story, like the guys' side of the story, that I immediately reached out to Napalm Records and I asked them to, um, I asked them for an interview, which sadly never happened. But they at some point did um, get their chance to speak about this, and um, and there is an interview on YouTube where Philip talks about that, not in detail, of course. Like they really remained like civil, civilized, you know. And it was Diane who, in my opinion, actually dragged them through the mud. Um, but that's how things go. And, well, as we said after that, um, Ava Morel toured with them for a bit. They did a few festivals after that as well. And their last performance was last year. I think it was a summer festival. And that was their one show of 2019. And we haven't heard of them since, which is also very sad. Yeah, that... uh yeah it's a strange strange story after that yeah if you said masterpiece of an album then suddenly just a completely break up because of whatever just a stupid facebook post don't know or whatever there was in the background strange <laughs> just yeah. very strange and yeah sad for the fans that yes. uh, yeah at the at the high peak of the career and yeah such a huge fan base and they found their their sound well maybe they will come back <laughs> with music. We singer. really hope so. I really hope so for sure. Diana went on to release also a very great album with her band Ex Libris. It's kind of a themed thing I think it's also like an album in three parts or two parts or something I actually don't really know I didn't really follow her career further but um, I did listen to a few singles and um, they were really good she is a great singer Um, Eva Marel it was rumored that she would be the next uh, real Xandria singer and it was more so rumored. And we actually asked her that at a, at a <laughs> remember, in an interview? <laughs> yeah, I think it was maybe the same night oh, uh, yes, as we. Marcel. And. Huh? Oh, yeah, Avarium, yeah. Yeah, Avarium. And we also, mm. and it was more so rumored when she left Avarium. But. Mm. 
until now it's not confirmed and the band is kind of in hi hibernation uh bass player steven wusov um confirmed that he's the new bass player for orden organ the german power metal band oh okay. yeah that's also news to me and apparently it was already announced in october of last year so Oh, and long time ago. Yeah, it's not so new anymore. And uh, drummer Gerrit Lam is a part of Vivaldi Metal Project, which I am also very much looking for, looking forward to listen to. Um, Sounds interesting. Yes. Um, and I'm just looking at I, his Instagram profile and uh, he still has, has Xandria list, listed on there. So maybe it is kind of alive. The dream is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe they just wait that that shit storm just completely cools down. And um, Well, it's been three years. I don't know how much longer you can wait for a shit storm to cool off, you know. I don't know. Yeah, or they just need some more time for their creativity to create new songs. Yeah, they might already be uh, working on something new and we don't know it. Maybe, maybe. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. They make a comeback with a big album and it's even better than the one before and all our minds are blown And that would be an amazing start to 2021 because I don't think that's going to happen in this shit of a year. <laughs> yeah, And that is the story of the, the band Xandria, named Xandria, from the town Bielefeld in Germany. Um, fun fact. <laughs> fun fact, exactly. Yeah. Fun fact. Germans, uh, they... There is this conspiracy theory that Bielefeld actually doesn't exist. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was there. I knew it does. <laughs> Me too. But yeah, I think it was uh, somewhere I also read the story behind that theory. And I think it was just um, a student's joke long, long okay. time ago. And just yeah, a student at a party, I think somewhere in North Germany, northern parts of Germany, um yeah he just said so hey Bielefeld no that doesn't exist and somehow it got yeah that running gag and yeah <laughs> strange very much yeah so, so we want to hear your stories now how did you first listen to Xandria are you looking forward to them reuniting and <laughs> going back onto the stages of the world um yeah how do you like their music their story what are your anecdotes with the band tell us tell us yeah, in the comments reach out to us on facebook on twitter on instagram and yeah steffi your parting words <laughs> um Yeah, please subscribe to the Mental Health Podcast on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to uh, your podcasts. And 
yeah, we already mentioned a few times, I think. Uh, you can find the show notes of this episode on metal-highheels.com slash podcast. And of course, um, big thanks to Cassandra Novell, as every time, for that awesome jingle, uh, which is based on... So <laughs> which is based on the song Storm uh, from Undying Fire by Herbert Mercier. So, okay, that's the complete sentence. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you for <laughs> listening to our podcast. I think, um, yeah, it was once again quite long talking about that one band. Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, and which band do you want to do you want us to talk about next? What band should it be? I think we're done with my favorites, so <laughs> reach us, reach out to us with your favorite bands so that we can talk about them as well. And yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye, Steffi. Bye bye.